Welcome. Thanks for coming out this morning. We're hoping that uh, this time of celebration is indeed that. And just to uh, thank you guys so much for serving the church this past year. Um, you guys are in for quite a treat, for, for lunch that is. Um, Mark uh, Enomoto made his own porchetta. And uh, pretty, pretty schnazzy. Pretty schnazzy. I, um, I was wanting to try it, but he didn't offer any to me yet. So thanks, Mark. Thanks. Um, but smells delicious. And uh, so, yeah, he's a, for anyone who's a vegan, I'm sorry. Um, I'll eat your portion. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our church and your faithfulness here. We praise you, God. We thank you so much for uh, your favor. You've been so great to us and um, to our church. And I pray, Lord, that this morning is just sweet incense to you, that it's uh, a gift to you as well. And I pray, God, that you would bless all of those who are involved here. And uh, thank you for all your, your servants here that uh, got together and, and have been serving here so faithfully and diligently for these past years. In Jesus' name, amen. So just a quick rundown of our schedule. Um, I, we're going to go through a quick financial update uh, of the church. And if you have any further questions in regards to that, you can approach any board member. Um, and Mike Getz is going to share about that. He's our treasurer. Um, you can also talk with Eric Jardine. Uh, both he and Mike have been really involved in the finances and setting that up, setting up the budget for the next year for us as well. Bruce, uh, another elder here, is going to introduce the new uh, elders who you guys are going to vote for um, after that. And then uh, we're going to share with you two people from our church, just two of their testimonies just from this past year of how God has touched their lives. And that's kind of why we're moving towards this second service is growth is a secondary thing. What we're wanting to really provide is just this community coming together and providing that for more people and having more options for that. And so as we move into that second service next month, uh, the 19th of April, um, we're going to be looking uh, for your help because we're going to really need that. We're going to need your help as we move into this next phase this next season at regeneration and what we're what we're going to ask of you is for the next four months if you're not serving that you do something that and so i i kind of put it we're in the book of nehemiah and so nehemiah is going to rebuild a wall and nehemiah himself is not an architect he's not an engineer he's not anything all that great to rebuild a wall he's not a military general he's not any of that stuff and so for those of you who do have those kind of skills, architect, engineer, or whatever, to kind of help the church, we ask you to do that. And, but there are a lot of you out there that you don't even know what you want to do, or you're just like wondering what there is to do. When Nehemiah built that wall, he had a bunch of people picking up rubble. It had to all be cleared out before any of those other guys can actually start doing the work. And so that's what we're going to throw out here is we need a bunch of rubble picker-uppers. That's, that's what we need, uh, people to pick up rubble. And so it's not a glamorous job. It's not something fun all the time. It's being a parking attendant. It's being an usher greeter. It is working in the children's ministry. It's working in the youth ministry. It's all those types of things. 
picking up rubble. And so for the next four months, we are asking, we are asking that you would commit to serving in the next four months, and then after that, just reevaluate after that. But for the next four months, that you would sign up to do something twice a month. That you would do something twice a month for the next four months, and then after that, ask the Lord what you're going to do after, afterwards. But just for the next four months, that's what we're asking. Um, we're gonna, after that testimony time, we're going to open up the floor for questions, uh, and, and if we can answer those, and if we have time to continue on with that. And then at 11 o'clock, we're going to transition into inviting Dave Olson, who did our leadership retreat, to come and share with us uh, for a little bit, and then we're going to wrap it up, and then we're going to head across the street, and we're going to have a porchetta together. Thank you, Mark. All right, um, so right now I'm going to invite Mike up. Is that, oh, there we go. Um, I'll assess the budget and then kind of do an assessment with the 2015 plan that we put together. Um, then I'm going to show you a couple of things about the 2015 plan. It's not going to look like anything you've seen before, all right? The last chart will show you how I kind of broke up all of the expenses in the church to show you how we support the ministries of the church. Okay, so, um, but before we move on from this slide, what we did is there are some assumptions I, we made. Um, we, we predicted a 10% increase in giving from the congregation, all right, and that's a rather conservative estimate, um, and you'll see that the church is giving far more than we imagine as, as elders of the church, and we're grateful for that. Um, another thing that we've done is, um, yeah, you'll have time to applaud yourself later. Okay, hang, hang on, hang on, hang on. Um, the other thing is we funded PACE. All right, PACE is here. We've got two missionaries from PACE. So we, this is something that we wanted to do in order to grow youth ministry for the church. Um, the two services. Now, interestingly enough, we made the decision after we laid the foundation for the 2015 budget, we didn't include three services, all right? So I'm already, I'm briefing the plan for 2015, and I'm already worried that we're going to bust the plan. But that's okay. You know, God will provide. God will definitely provide. Um, we funding, we're funding a new pastor, full-time pastor for the full year, which we didn't have last year. And then... Um, last, lastly, um, I've got ministry involvement here, and I forgot what I wanted to say about that bullet. So 
having now embarrassed myself, let's move on to the next chart. <laughs> All right? Okay, so here are kind of the way the numbers. We brought in your tithes and offerings. You brought in, um, you, you gave the church about $464,000 in 2014, and we had only planned for about 384000 so with that number, that 384000 was sort of where we ended up in 2013. So you can, see, you can see how the church is growing spiritually and financially just from those numbers alone. All right, so that's almost a 21% increase in what we had anticipated. The same thing for earned revenue. We had about a 36% increase, and that was due to the uh, activity of earned um, urban immersion, all right? We had, in fact, we had so much activity under the urban immersion program in 2014, we're not anticipating that to happen in 2015. It was just a bit of an aberration last year, all right? But um, so that's $3,000 over our earned income plan, all right? Then looking at total expenses, so as you have more and more activity, you're going to have more and more expenses. So we did go over budget by about $77,000. But what was interesting, even though we went over budget, it was strictly in operations and in support of ministries. And in particular, because we received more contributions, we also increased our giving for the church. So our giving to missions... Uh, was um, was increased by about 20 or 30 percent than what we had already planned. So as a result, you know, even though we're 18 percent over our expenses, it all went to good causes. Um, interestingly enough, to keep the church operating, you know, keep the lights on, keep the water flowing, keep the heat on and everything, those expenses came in right about where Eric had planned them to. So so the, the basic overhead of operating the church, um, we're doing an excellent job at doing that. Um, yeah. During the year, that contribution, I think it was in August, we received a rather substantial donation to the church. So that, that helped things. And what it really helped do, we, we believe it was, you know, sort of God's gift because we were running over on our budget for improving the kitchen across the street in the community center, which everybody knows we really needed to do something with that kitchen. So, um, so you know, like I said, God, God has really provided for the church in, in all sorts of ways. Um, and there I have it, that second bullet under total gave an additional $46,000 to missions last year than we had done the previous year or as we thought we would in, in our financial plan for 2014. So again, we're, uh, we're doing quite well. Yeah, that 28,500, for some reason that comment didn't come through, it was cut off on the bottom. That had to do with, the, um, with some of the church improvements, the renovations, not only the, um, the kitchen across the street, but some other things that we have to do in the church as well. Um, and that's ongoing. And you'll see that in my next slide. I don't think this is on, is it? It is? Okay. All right. So 
just to let you know, we kind of graduated this year. We went from a micro church to a small church. All right, we're right about at that cusp where we have about 200 people coming to the church every week. All right, and what's interesting though is the the experts, all right, the experts, the CPAs that look at all the churches across the country, they say that we should be bringing in income between $117,000 and $928,000 annually, and we're right sort of in the middle in that. We're, we're, gonna, we're looking at $550,000 for this year. Um, the other thing is that the salaried and related expenses for staff 58% nationally for a small church. 58% they, they, of their income they contribute towards staff. In 2014, we still came in at 37%, and I've been sort of briefing that every year. We're right around 35, 37, 38%. We were still way for um, two That is definitely going to change for 2015. You'll see that in the next slide. But you can see we went pastors and three staff, and now currently we've got two full-time pastors, one part-time, and about five staff, all right? And we've got some odds and ends, volunteers, but that's kind of how we measure it. Um, net income also for 2014 came in at 7.6%, which is high, but again, that has to do with those contributions that come in at the end of the year. We get the money, and the only thing we can do is really pay our portion to missions and we've got money, so we carry that over to 2015. But that was about 4% over the plan. And that's where we should be. Any nonprofit really should be at about 4% for net income at the end of the year uh, to put something in the bank for rainy days. And what we're going to be doing, I'll, what I've stated, there is more structural improvements for the church. Um, I talked to an engineer yesterday. I got to talk to Albert about that. And then ministry support. Next slide. All right. We've got, yeah, talk, talking about structural support, we've got a fire escape that we've got to fix here. So that's going to that's gonna be um, project number one. So this is what 2015 is going to look like. We're anticipating about $510,000 in giving, all right, based on the trend. Um, but only... A $50,000 in earned income. I told you we sort of reduced what our expectations for urban immersion, but you never know what will happen. And then total expenses will come out to about $554,000, um, leaving us only about $6,000, $7,000 at the end of the year to put in the bank. We purposely did that um, primarily um, to bring on the, 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 the PACE missionaries. Um, and again, I've, I mentioned some of these assumptions. 86% uh, of our income still comes from tithes and offerings. So, you know, you have to hand it to yourself. You, you're very generous to the church, and we're very grateful for that. Um, and then the expenses, the expenses up there do not include about $15,000 we've planned for uh, capital improvements. And I remembered that last bullet. This past year, for 2015, we actually embraced the ministry leaders to help us tell us what they think they're going to be spending for 2015 or what they think they needed in order to support their ministries for 2015. And so not only did, 
Eric and I just put the budget together, but we did have all of the ministry leaders participate. So that was a first time for regeneration. All right. And then again, I just told you, you should be about 4% every year for net income. Well, we're going we're gonna to risk things a little bit. We're, gonna, we're planning about only a 1.2% net income by the end of the year. Okay. So those are the big numbers. And let me give you my new slide for this year. Last one, because we're running late. What I did was I took all of the expenses and I jumbled them up and I distributed expenses towards all of our programs. So basically what you're looking at here is that for mission support, which includes PACE, all right, um, we're probably going to contribute about $131,000 to missions and PACE support. All right. So this gives you an idea as to how much some of our ministry programs really cost the church. All right. There's some salaries included in there. All right. There's some overhead costs to keep the lights on. That's all included in all of these numbers. But look at the ministry operations. The ministry operations includes the home groups, uh, weekly services. All right, weekly services, the food that we have for weekly services, the events that we have throughout the year, um, but just just the money that we use to support ministries through the year costs about $224,000 or, or will cost us $224,000 this year. The worship ministry, all right, the worship ministry to bring in guest musicians, you know, there's money in there for that. That's going to cost us about $44,000 this year. So this just gives you an idea as to, you know, when you're, when you're giving, it gives you an idea of where your money's actually going and how much of the church budget is being distributed in order to support these various ministries. Um, and then administration is kind of a catch-all, all right? We have two part-time workers there, all right, the bookkeeper and the admin person. Um, but most, most of that is the taxes that we pay. You know, we pay some property taxes. Um, there's, 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 there's other expenses that are contributed to the church. So, you know, a church is an expensive operation to run. You know, the brick and mortar is, is, um, is pretty tough to keep it, keep, it, keep it upright. And I guess we're going to be learning that during Nehemiah. Okay, that's all I have. Are there any questions? If you have any, you can see me, okay? So yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting the, I'm getting the uh, chain or the, what do they call it? The long, the long cane. Bruce, bail me out. Good morning. Um, okay, so I am here to do a couple of things. First of all, we have two elders that are departing their uh, elder roles this year. And so uh, we put together a committee to nominate new elders. So first off, I want to thank the committee. That was uh, Ali Hu. Uh, let's see if I can remember this off the top of my head. <laughs> Ashley Kingett, um, Jen Lowe, Sherry Cheeseborough, uh, Stephanie Leung, uh, Andrew Wang and Mark Feaster. I think I got them all. Yes, so thank you all for all of your work and your prayer. Yeah. 
And they nominated two uh, guys here, John Mesh, if you would stand or wave or something, and, <laughs> and Steve Butchley, uh, our new assistant pastor. But before they become elders, they need to be uh, ratified or voted on by all of you that are congregants. So, the first item is, if you are not yet a congregant, after we dismiss here, you will go across the street to the, uh, what's that, fireside room just inside the door of the gym, and there will be congregant forms. So, fill out one of those. If you are already a congregant, then you can vote. And there will also be voting slips there as well. So, before they can become elders, they need to be voted on. So, there's my plug. After we're done here, go across the street, become a congregant if you're not ready already, and then vote. Okay? And finally, I want to thank uh, our two departing elders. That is uh, Yusef Carrillo. If you could actually come up here, and Peter Bascom. have given their time and energy to serve us, and so I just want to uh, finish by praying for them. So, would you join me in that? God, thank you for uh, Yusef and Peter and the ways that they have uh, given of their time and energy and following your call to um, be servant leaders here among us. God, we just ask that as they uh, go on to other uh, tasks, other things that you're calling them to do, uh, that you would give them wisdom, that you would continue to grow them as uh, leaders within the church, as leaders of their family, as great uh, husbands and fathers. And we just ask your blessing on them as they uh, end their time as elders here. And so we thank you for bringing them and uh, leading them to be a part of that and uh, ask your blessing as they finish their time here as elders. Thanks for all that you're doing here, and we pray all this in your good name, Jesus. Amen. Our vision for Oakland has been to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly in our city. Um, and so with that in mind, we've just uh, asked two people to come up and share their testimonies just from this past year as to how this community has touched them, has blessed them. And so, Jen, you, you up for this, Jen? All right. Jen and Baby are up for this. And uh, so we asked Jen Davenport to come share with us, and we also asked Mark Enomoto to come share. So um, after Jen's done, uh, Mark will come up and share. And Thank you, guys. three years ago when you asked me to give my testimony and I said no never I, I don't think I want to do that <laughs> so it's kind of funny that we're here anyway uh, hello uh, my name is Jen I came to uh, Regen gosh almost six or seven years ago uh, I met a girl at a gym uh, some of you might remember the Wadias uh, it was Sammy I just happened to meet her in a spin class and she uh, 
she, I don't know how we got on the subject, but she said, you know, why don't you come to Regen? So I did. Um, she gave me her Bible that very first service, and I, I love the sense of community, but I just wasn't in a, uh, I don't know, faithful place. So I came, it was great, and I went back to my life. And uh, it wasn't a great life. I was pretty unhappy. I believed in God. I didn't really understand what that meant, hadn't accepted him into my life. But uh, I always had fond memories of Regen, but I never came back. So a couple years after that, uh, I was 36, and um, I had entered a time of suffering, which happens. I was lonely, I was poor, I was sick, I was sad, I was depressed, I was hopeless, uh, faithless. And um, with little to no direction, and I had no idea what to do, I, um, I came back to regeneration because it was the last place that I had felt decent. And so I thought, oh, I'll give it a shot. I had nothing to lose at that point. So um, I began coming to evening service, and uh, it was warm. And I would always sit up in the balcony in the left-hand corner, uh, and the sun would be shining in, and I would just remember feeling overwhelmed with comfort every time I came in. I never talked to anybody. Um, and that was a time when there was about, there was a handful of interns here. And uh, they were peppered all over the church during every service. And they would always try to talk to me. And I remember just being really annoyed. Um, they're so peppy and like happy to be here. And um, so I thought if, you know, sitting in the left corner, sometimes crying, just was happy to be here, but I just wanted to be left alone. Um, there was a girl that sat up there, uh, Josephine, I don't know if any of you remember her, but she was also very quiet, but she was very sweet. And every week that I would come, she would move closer and closer to me. <laughs> and I was like, I, I didn't know what to make of this girl, but um, after a while, and then she asked to start praying for me, and I, was, I did not understand the concept, but I let her. <laughs> I never prayed for her, she always prayed for me. And then we would just sit next to each other. Sometimes we wouldn't even talk, she would just... She would pray for me, or she'd, uh, you know, she'd say hello or whatever. She'd be very nice. But, and then after a while, we got to be pretty, you know, fairly close friends, and she was very sweet. Um, anyway, so once I started really understanding what was going on and how I knew God was doing something in my life, I didn't know what it was or what to make of it, I started going to home group. And uh, I went to Deep Dish on Wednesdays, and um, it was fantastic. I don't know. They talk about home groups every week, and how fantastic they are, and they are amazingly fantastic. Um, the first time I went, I had told myself, I'm just going to be quiet, I'm going to go with the flow, I've never been to a home group before, I don't really know what this means. Um, the very first night, we broke up into uh, girl and guy groups, and we were supposed to pray for each other. And I remember that first night that I went there, um, uh, and I had said I wouldn't share, I wasn't interested, and... Uh, I was very, uh, I didn't want to share my faith, whatever it was becoming. But that first night, um, I started crying uncontrollably in front of all these girls about all my problems. And um, they put their hands on me and prayed for me. And it was at that moment that I really understood what was going on in my life. And I really felt God saving me at that moment. And that's where it all sort of, it had started here, but it was transforming itself within the home group. And... Uh, whatever else. So, um, going back to the girl that invited me here, the story continues, Sammy. I, um, so, in the home group, I had decided, through the home group and coming to church, I had decided that I wanted to be baptized. 
uh, and thankfully I was baptized here. But the week before that happened, uh, I ran into Sammy, the girl who had invited me here originally at the gym, and she had long moved away, and she had just happened to be back that weekend, and I just happened to be at the gym at that time, and I ran into her, and um, we were talking, and I said, well, it's a shame, you know, you're not gonna be here next week, so I'm getting baptized at Regen. And she started to cry, and I didn't understand. And she was always like really full of faith and hope in God, and I always loved that about her, but when I asked her why she was crying, she said that she had been praying for my salvation since she met me. And um, it's moving to think that, you know, one person's prayer can, you know, get that spark started. And, you know, so for me, I, I feel like I was led here, led to Regen. Uh, my life started here. Uh, I was saved here. I was baptized here. I was prayed for here by, I'm sure, many more people than I even know. I was married here, and I want my child to grow up here. And I think... You know, I'm amazed every day by how much I'm loved by Jesus. Uh, you know, it's, it really shouldn't be a surprise. All things happen, you know. Uh, but in that end, I'm amazed by how much I'm loved by people here, that some I don't know, some I do know. Um, and, you know, the community, the people in it, the church. And I just, you know, the point of my story is just never forget how much, you know, one prayer or one person or the community of this church can mean to just one person, you know, me. I, I had no clue that it would move my life in the way that it did, but praise God it did. So thank you. God, thank you so much for Jen, and pray that you would bless her and Marcus and their marriage and just their new arrival of a baby. Um, thank you for how you've used our church just to touch one person's life. Um, we're so honored and humbled. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Mark. And Cairo. And Hi, uh, my name is Mark Enomoto. Um, see you running around and making all that noise. Uh, this is my son Cairo and my wife Jody. So when they asked me to do this uh, last Sunday, I was thinking that it kind of reminds me of uh, about nine months ago when we attended our first home group here at Regeneration. And I'll let you know in a little bit, but just a little bit about us. Um, if you haven't met yet, uh, we're originally from Hawaii but uh, we just moved to the Bay last June from New York City. Uh, after one month of struggling to find a place, we finally found an apartment in the very last place we wanted to live, here in Oakland. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry if that offends anybody, but uh, during the first month of moving to Oakland, we happened to walk past uh, Regeneration, walking from BART one night, and uh, we checked out the website, and we ended up coming to an evening service that weekend. We met some really great people. We met Andrew Howe and John Sharp, who are, have been really good friends. And we instantly knew that the last place we want to live was actually exactly where God wanted us to be. Um, by the end of that month of being here, uh, we joined a home group called SoulWorks. And um, still, in about the end of that month, uh, they needed somebody to volunteer and lead the discussion and the Bible study. 
So I, kind of opposite of Jen, I na naively just offered to share my testimony. And uh, so I prepared and got there that evening. And what was usually like a 10 to 12 person home group turned out to be like 19 people. That 19 people that I didn't know and just some people I was just getting to know. But that quickly changed in like several minutes. So just like eight minutes or eight months ago, um, my first time sharing in front of uh, you folks is not just a regular Sunday service, but it's our annual meeting. And, um, but I'm not going to share that testimony because hopefully they'll give me more than a week to prepare for that one. Um, but in a nutshell, I guess that is kind of what Regent has been to us. It's been an opportunity to be part of a community, um, be able to share, share life and our weaknesses and struggles, and be able to just be used by God in different ways. And through that, God has been showing us his character more and more and working on our hearts to even better serve him in new, fresh ways. So being here has been uh, a real blessing. And I feel like I've kind of used that word, uh, I've overused it, and, um, and kind of considered God's blessings as just gifts or um, uh, favorable circumstances. But, um, and we receive these, you know, I think. And, but the real blessing is that God's made this, just this time of me being a stay-home dad and uh, this space, this place in Oakland, for us to really rely completely on him, thus uh, drawing us closer to him. Uh, so in this past uh, nine months, uh, some of the things are, um, actually, you know, we, for a long time before coming to Regen, um, we kind of gave ourselves a lot of excuses to just keep ourselves distant, distant from church and uh, people and getting involved in the church. Um, but I kind of feel like God put us three blocks up this way um, just to make it easy for us. And, you know, he just told us, look, I'm making it easy. You're like three blocks away. It's time. So just do it, you know. And so several things I've been a part of and been blessed by it here at Regen is um, the Cross Streets Ministry. Um, I've led and served in cafe, leading and hosting a home group. And recently I started a, a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu group. Um, but I don't mention these things to glorify myself at all because these are nothing compared to the bigger scope of God's mission and the things that we should be doing as Christians. But nevertheless, I think God is still glorified out of me as I serve, um, and that has caused the change within me. Um, so we're able to uh, see his bigger mission. Uh, so I'll talk about some of the things that um, I've experienced. Uh, first, in Cross Streets, I was a professional cook in uh, Hawaii and New York. So cooking for the homeless, that seemed like just the immediate call. Uh, so I met Brian Fuentes, who leads that ministry, along with Jen Davenport and uh, Mark Simulton and uh, David Ruff. Um, you know, the cooking scrambled eggs and roasting potatoes for 50 to 60 homeless brothers and sisters, that, that was the easy part for me. But, um, like, honestly, just speaking to them and obey, obeying Jesus' command to love them, that was, that was the more hard part for me, you know, and I'm, God's still working on my heart to do that, um, but just to be real, and, uh, but it's allowed me to intentionally 
um, be prayerful and compassionate for the homeless and mentally ill. Um, the cafe, uh, Lisa Wentworth now leads her, leads the uh, cafe, so uh, talk to her. But um, several months, I, I led it, um, just because when we first got here, uh, I was told that the cafe made clothes. Um, the volunteers were humbly just like keeping it running and you know, it was starting to become a burden. So um, I don't know about you, but I thank God for coffee at church. But you know, it was actually Jody who was like, you have to take it. Don't let it, don't let it go down. So I can thank her too. And um, it was a weird thing being the new guy uh, coming in and leading a ministry that the volunteers were doing for years. And, but it was uh, definitely good exposure to see how things were running here at Regen, how things would grow and just take form and change. Um, but the thing that I loved about the cafe and, and love about the cafe and the volunteers is not physically what it is. It's a great cafe. It's beautiful. But it's, um, it's more than that. It's, uh, it's spiritually what it does to bring people together and creating that inviting space for new people to, uh, to be met. Um, for home group, I've never led a home group in my life. Um, before Regen, I haven't even been part of a home group since like I was a kid who was just running around the house. But um, if there was some kind of prerequisite to leading a home group, I would not make the cut. And the pastors will probably cut our home group now that I've said that. But <laughs> home group is super, super challenging for me, mentally and spiritually. Um, it's hard because uh, I'm a stay-home dad and trying to read and prepare for the evening or the, that week. Cairo, uh, he has to be fed. He needs a nap. He needs interaction. So selfish, you know? He's, uh, I'm trying to clean the house, get ready for the night, and everything I put away, he's taking right back out. So, <clears throat> but... I've had really good co-leaders uh, come alongside me. I have a really good home group members who have come alongside me to pray and give advice, um, share dialogue and help facilitate our, our evenings. And I often joke that I got lured into this by somebody. I don't know how. And Andrew's not here to defend himself anymore, but um, yeah. But, Maybe he was, just being, he was just being obedient. And again, I'm thankful for that challenge that uh, I've been going through. And it's led me to give up those anxieties uh, to God and seek him through his word and prayer more often than uh, I would have ever if I, if I wasn't leading. And Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I know you guys aren't into that here. <laughs> but it's something big in a way. But... Um, it's just, it's, if you don't know, it's like a combination of judo and wrestling, and if anybody's interested, I'm there on Monday nights, so. Uh, we're not a crazy, like, Christian fight club or anything like that. Um, but what we do, it's just a couple of us, of us there, and, you know, what we do do is share life, and again, sharing prayer, and how we wrestle with the things of our faith, and just normal life is uh, kind of like the theme for why we get together. Um, and we do Jesus, but 
so Regen, um, I just want to thank you folks for welcome, welcoming us here, uh, loving us and praying for us and sharing life with us. Uh, we've been very encouraged by so many of you and, uh, and how to be authentic followers of Christ. And I just encourage anyone who hasn't been able to yet or for whatever reason to serve uh, that, uh, uh, that God gets to use you in a fresh new way in this next season of our church. Um, because it's not about doing the good work, so we can check it off our Christian uh, to-do list and uh, watch the fruit of our labor appear before us, or um, even, if, even in our lifetime. But I think I can testify that even in small ways and what may seem insignificant, uh, people are surely going to be loved like we were, and God will surely change your heart, and you will be glorified. Thanks. Lord, thank you for my brother Mark. Uh, thank you for his family. God, uh, thank you for their desire to serve your church and this community. Uh, thank you for people like him who bless others. Um, I pray, Lord, that we are a blessing to him as well in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, man. Um, I hope that gives you a little glimpse of the people that you affect, that you've touched. Um, I don't think that either one of them have mentioned pastoral staff or ministry staff, or it's just people like you in a home group, in everyday life, in a gym, uh, being neighbors as a family walks down the street. Uh, we want to equip you to do the work of the ministry. Um, it's not me, it's not Steve, Stefan, it's not the ministry staff, as you can tell by the last two stories that were told here. Um, the questions and answers, we're going to have to skip that, unfortunately, uh, because of time. But if you have any, please, uh, we are more than happy to answer any. Most of the elders will be in that fireside room if you have any questions in regards to them. Um, Steve, myself, Stefan will be around. You can ask us any questions in regards to things happening at the church or ministry at the church. Um, what we also wanted to provide you during this short time is a time of training um, that we invite you to come and, and hear about our church and learn about our church and where we're going moving forward and just our condition as an organization. Uh, but now we also wanted to provide you something to go away with in terms of a training. So we invited Dave Olson uh, to come join us to provide a training um, on service and on serving. And so uh, Dave, we'll welcome you up here. Thank you. David uh, was... Uh, also the facilitator for our leadership retreat that we had several months ago. Um, so for those of you who didn't get to attend that, I'm sure you'll be hearing some of the things that we got to experience there. And so thanks, Steve. Well, I'm very glad to be here in this uh, beautiful church building. I have never been here before. Um, and so uh, it's great. My wife, Shelly, is over there, so I'm glad to be able to have her with me as well. And um, what I'd like to get a couple volunteers to do is I've got some handouts for you, and if I could get a couple folks to come up here and get those all passed out, that'd be really helpful. Oh, here we come. Officially, they're right on the front there on the table, so thank you. <clears throat>
And what I'm going to share with you today is based on a book that was published by InterVarsity Press about nine months ago. And you can see it up there. It's Discovering Your Leadership Style. But I want you to understand that there's two important words that I have for you today, serve and lead. And they really are connected together. I hope you're going to understand not only has God called you to serve, but actually God has called each one of you to be a leader in some way. And we're going to get to that in a few minutes. Um, so uh, what is being passed out is your cheat sheet. And you really aren't supposed to read it now, actually. I see some of you cheating by reading the cheat sheet. You can actually look at it if you want. But what it's really going to do is just give you a physical summary of everything we talked about. And I think when you're done with this and back home, it'll be kind of a helpful thing for you to review and everything that you saw on the screen and forgot, you'll be able to see on there. So that's what that is. All right, well, we're going to get flying here. So uh, I want to go, uh, there's a website on the next slide. There it is, sixstyles.org. And if you go to the following one, I want us to think about who you are, okay? And I'm hoping that in our hour today, you're going to get a deeper and clearer understanding of how God made you, how he's gifted you, what passions are within you, and how that is going to be really helpful in understanding where you serve, how you serve, and where and how you lead. So um, the next one, I got a little quote here from one of my close personal friends, C.S. Lewis. Anybody met C.S. Lewis? Okay, he died the same day John Kennedy died, but uh, is a very important writer for Christianity, and uh, Pretty much no matter what your age is, if you get into some of the stuff he does, it'll be incredibly helpful to your spiritual life. So I want to read this quote. It's from his book, The Problem of Pain. It's chapter 9 on heaven, and this is what it says. Why else were individuals created, but that God, loving all infinitely, should love each differently? Now we're going to come back to that and think about that in a bit. And this difference, so far from impairing, floods with meaning the love all blessed creatures for one another, the communion of the saints. If all experience God in the same way and return him an identical worship, the song of the church triumphant would have no symphony. It would be like an orchestra in which all the instruments played the same note. And then go to the next one. Aristotle has told us that a city is a unity of unlikes, and St. Paul that a body is a unity of different members. Heaven is a city and a body because the blessed remain eternally different. A society because each has something to tell all the others, fresh and ever fresh news of the my God, whom each finds in him whom all praise as our God. Now, I am hoping some of you are actually feeling excited by just hearing that quotation. It's telling you a couple things that I want you to focus on. One is, did you know that God loves you infinitely? That's a pretty crazy thought, isn't it? That there is actually no, oh, I ran out of love for you within God toward you. 
But it's even more interesting that C.S. Lewis says, God loves each of you differently than everyone else. Now, I'm pretty sure none of you have ever thought that thought before. I had never thought that thought until I read this, and I started thinking about it, and I went, you know, he's pretty persuasive here. Because God made you different than anybody else, he loves you with a unique love that only you get to receive. Now, anybody think that's kind of like an amazing thing? It's not only infinite, but it's applied to you in a way that no one else receives the type of love you receive. But because of that, at the end, it's talking about the fresh and ever fresh news of the my God who each finds in him whom all praise as our God. What that means is you have a story because of how God has loved you in both an infinite and an extremely unique and personal way. And that story is the story that you tell to other people through your actions, through your words, through your love, and that sort of thing. But because you are different than everybody else, do you realize if you don't tell that story, that little piece of the story won't be told? Does that make sense? We all have this special gift that God gives us that as we live out our life, there's a story that gets built because of that. It was so fun for me to get to hear the, the, the two testimonies. There might have been more before that, but I heard the last two. And just to hear how God is building their story. So what I want you to think about for a minute is what are your gifts? And we're going to do about a one-minute Bible study here. If you go to the next slide. And we're going to look at Ephesians 4, 7, and 8. There are three important scriptures about gifts and spiritual gifts in the New Testament, and it's Ephesians 4, Romans 12, and 1 Corinthians 12. So this one says this, but to each one of us grace, and you'll notice I added the word here gifts, because what follows in this passage, he's not talking about generalized grace, he's actually talking about grace gifts, these free gifts God has given you has been given as Christ apportioned it. So you don't get it because you want it. It's because Christ gives it to you. This is why he says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. If you go to the next slide. Thank you. Um, so I don't have time to fill this up more like I wish I could. I'd like I, if I could spend a little time talking about Acts chapter 2 and how Ephesians 4, 7, and 8 is kind of fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. So I'm going to summarize it. Jesus ascended to the right hand of God, which was the power position. In other words, the Father sits on the throne. It's the Father's will that Jesus accomplishes. Where Jesus is Lord, and from that power position, on the day of Pentecost, he poured out gifts onto his people. And... That little phrase from chapter uh, 2 of Acts is on the next slide here. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. So the question is, what has God given every Christian? And the answer is three things. You've been given the Holy Spirit, you've been given gifts, and you've been given power. Now, this again to me is kind of an amazing thing that we have this 
sort of almost trinity in our lives, the Holy Spirit, gifts, and power. And this is how it works on the next slide. God gives every Christian's gifts. The Holy Spirit within you adds his power to your gifts so that the ministry of Jesus flows through you. And then the final one is when God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, uses your gifts, fruit will occur. So do you understand these four things? So he's given you gifts. The Holy Spirit will apply his power to your gifts when you use them. And what will be produced? Fruit, okay? Fruit, I'm going to give you a little definition of fruit. Fruit is activity touched by the Holy Spirit. So activity by itself is a nice thing to do, but it actually doesn't produce fruit until what happens? The Holy Spirit takes your actions and will do something supernatural through your actions to produce fruit, usually in the life of somebody else. So what I'm going to share with you this morning is just a really simple model, but I think you'll find it's a pretty deep model too. And I'm going to talk about the three special gifts and the six styles. And what I'm going to start with is I'm going to want to help you understand that there are three special gifts that God gives Christians, and all of you have one of them. In a sense, you have a special gift to serve him. You go on the next one there. You have a special gift to serve him. And on the next slide there, you'll see this model is based on what's called a three-legged stool. And you can see the three legs. The words are chemistry and uh, spirituality and strategy. And so I want to ask you this question. What were the most important words of Jesus in his ministry? Anybody? Anybody? Oh, I get lots of good answers when I ask a group this, but I'm going to tell you what I think most theologians were, would say were his most two important things he talked about. One was the Great Commandment, and the other was the Great Commission. Does that make sense? He was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he actually said two, in a sense. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so the next slide is what is called the Great Commandment Part A. And then the Great Commandment Part B is in your neighbor as yourself. And the Great Commission is therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now, here's how this works out. If you go one more. This word spirituality is fulfilled by the first part of the great commandment, okay? So there's something God has placed in Christians that I'm calling spirituality, and you can describe it really simply. It means love God, okay? There's another quality God places in Scripture called chemistry, and this is the ability to connect with people, and that is God called love people. And there's a third quality God has placed in people, and this is strategy. And strategy is to love the world by fulfilling the mission of God in the world. Okay? So it's really simple. Three legs, spirituality, chemistry, strategy, love God, love people, 
love the world. Now, here's what makes it interesting. Every one of you, God has made really good at one of these three. Now, you didn't know that before you came here, did you? I'm telling you, out of those three, and in the next few minutes, I want you to think about spirituality, chemistry, strategy, which one comes easiest for me, which is most natural, which one am I best at, okay? So, uh, we'll go to the next slide. I'm going to describe what this is. So, spirituality people, and some of you are going to be what we call spirituality people. You're strongest in spirituality. You have a deep commitment to deep spiritual transformation that brings about the life-changing work of God in people. And so, you're built to fulfill the love your God, Lord your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Then the second group are the chemistry people. Some of you are going to end up going, you know, I think I'm best at chemistry. And chemistry people in a church create an inviting relational atmosphere that creates joy and love in the culture of your church. And this fulfills, and your neighbor as yourself. And then some of you are going to say, I think I'm best at that third one, strategy. So strategy people create a process of sequential actions that produce fruitful ministry through your church in line with God-directed goals. Okay, so are you zeroing in on which might be yours? Anybody have any idea? Okay, I saw a couple of hands out there. So uh, let's go to the next slide. God gives every Christian to be strong in one of these three. And the next slide, God made you good at your strongest leg, giving you both gifts and passion in this area. I'm going to stop there for just a second. Do you realize if you have a gift of, and no passion, it's probably not going to happen in the real world? Does that make sense? If you have a gift, what has to go with it is passion. And the way I describe this is the gift is like the car you drive and your passion is the gas in the tank. So you can have a wonderful car, but if you have no gas in the tank, how far do you get? You don't get anywhere. And so the way God works it is whatever you're strongest in, I'm going to prophesy that you also have passion in that area. And that's a very important thing to realize. So we're trying to figure out what are your strongest gifts, and I'm just going to or which is your strongest gift? I'm just going to give you a couple more pictures that can help you. So in a minute, we're going to have the famous stand up and identify yourself routine here at Regeneration. So um, another stride we talked about, love God, love people, love the world. Um, have any of you heard about people say it's really important to be a missional church? Anybody heard that? Okay. Well, actually, I'm disagreeing with that. I'm saying, on the next slide, you need to be a Christ-centered, healthy missional church. Does that make sense? That it actually flows out from spirituality, chemistry, and strategy. Uh, one of the interesting things on the next one is I was a philosophy major in college, and in sort of more historic, traditional philosophy, there's three major parts of it. And it's these three words, beauty, goodness, and truth. And I found that spirituality people 
really resonate with beauty. That's a huge part of their life. Chemistry people, they are so passionate that relationships between people would be filled with goodness. So goodness is a part of their big wiring. And strategy people love the truth. What's right, what works in the world, that's what we want to focus on. So that again can help you understand which of the three you might be. And then there's a little chart, uh, all of this stuff, like this is one of the pages in the book. But I'm just gonna have you think of a couple of them up there. Uh, the fourth one down is spirituality people like praying together, right? Chemistry people like playing together and strategy people like planning together. Um, if you go down to the three question marks, spirituality people are always asking the question, why, right? Chemistry people love asking the question, who? Who's the next person I can be friends with is what they're thinking. Strategy people are always trying to answer the question, how? How do we make this real and present in the world? And uh, the third from the bottom is kind of a fun one too. Spirituality people often look backwards in their life a lot. Uh, part of that is why they love scripture, for example. Chemistry people live in the now. They love the present. And strategy people love living in the future because they're trying to figure out by strategy to make the future better. So we need to get to this question, which is your strongest leg? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have you self-identify by standing up. Are you ready? Now, you're allowed to change your mind as we go through this, but for now, this is your best guess. So those of you who think you are strongest in spirituality, please arise. Okay. Man, I have never seen a group do it like you. Because most spirituality people, now I'm not saying you're not humble people, but most spirituality people get up really slowly. They just go. Because they don't want to sound like Bane, you know, they don't want to have like a poster, I am a spirituality person, are you impressed? But, uh, so anyhow, now I'm going to talk about these a little more and again, but you may be seated, spirituality people. How many of you are chemistry people here? Okay, so we see it's a tilt toward this side here, right? So the chemistry people like living on this side of the auditorium. And uh, these are the fun people. These ones, if I had them coming forward here, I'm gonna have them do this in a minute, but these would be ones who'd be coming up, giving you high fives, hugs, stuff like that, because they just love hanging out with people. And so chemistry people try not to get the party breaking out yet, so just sit down quietly. And then strategy, those of you who think you're strongest in strategy. Okay, there we go. More and more converts. Now, um, here's what's, you can be seated now. Here's what's interesting about this. Did you notice the breakdown into the size of the groups? They were actually all pretty similar. 
the last five people that stood up in strategy tilted it a little bit, so I think your group is a little more strategy than the uh, other two. But I've had like about 10,000, there's a free online inventory you can take at sixdollars.org, and I've had about 10,000 people take it. And amazingly enough, it breaks out into one-third, one-third, one-third. And when I looked at that, I went, well, wouldn't that be the way God does it? Because God needs an equal proportion of lovers of God, lovers of people, and lovers of the world to fulfill the mission of God in the world if your church is going to accomplish what he wants it to do, and if you as a person are can going to be an integral part of that. Okay? So um, we're going to go really quick on the next couple, and then uh, we're going to do another division point. So your strongest leg produces most of your spiritual fruit. It's a gift from God. It usually comes quite naturally. You experience joy and fruitfulness here. You're naturally gifted in this area. You like spending time here. You experience the pleasure of God here, and it creates in you thankfulness to God. Now, how good is that? Isn't that amazing? That that strongest gift has so many positive things it can put into your life. And when you know it, obviously, that gives you a lot more ability to use it. So most of your ministry fruit will come from your strongest leg. And I have a simple comment I want to make to Christians, and it's this. What, however you serve God, probably he's going to use your service in the area of your strongest leg the most. Does that make sense? So if you're a spirituality person, being able to serve in a way that you can use your spirituality gift is how God's going to use you the most. If you're a chemistry person, it's that loving of people thing you want to get happening in whatever you're doing. If you're a strategy person, you're trying to figure out how you can kind of think through and make sure that the mission of God happens inside and outside the church really well. So that's your strongest gift. You also have a rather unnatural and unintuitive leg and that is your weakest gift so if you can think about this for a minute um, I'd like you to think okay if spirituality chemistry or strategy whichever one was your strongest what do you think is your weakest one okay we're gonna try a straw poll again non-binding don't look around don't write down Oh, Dave, he's strongest in chemistry. Oh, weakest, weakest. I mean. Okay, here we go. So people who think they're weakest in strategy, please stand up. Okay, man, you guys are confident in your weakness of strategy. Is poop. Okay, you can be seated. How about weakest in chemistry? That's the one I stand up at. Okay. We're proud to be weakest in chemistry. All right. Okay, you may be seated. Weakest in spirituality. Okay, now this one's a little dicier, and you can be seated. I'm going to tell you why it's a little dicier. It's like, it's, well, not too bad to be weakest in either chemistry or strategy, but it's, am I allowed to be weakest in spirituality of these three? But you have to understand who made you. Who made you? God made you. 
And God, I believe, created this sequence in you. Uh, Shelly and I have four children, so we are six in our family, and two of us are strongest in spirituality, two of us are strongest in chemistry, and two of us are strongest in strategy. So we are the perfect family. <laughs> and uh, we're the same thing. We, you know, we diversify the weakest as well. So I want to talk about your weakest leg here. It's often quite unnatural and unintuitive. You don't want to spend much time here. You have fewer gifts in this area. It can significantly diminish your ministry fruit, and it will produce humility in you. Okay? So that's our weakest leg. We don't like it that much, but we got to be aware with it, and it sometimes can handicap ministry if we don't figure out how to get it a little better. Does that make sense? And I'm going to tell you how, if you want to increase your weakest leg, this is tip number one, okay? Go to the next one. How do you strengthen your weakest leg? Because remember I said it's rather unintuitive for all of us. What you do is you observe the habits of leaders who know you know who are strongest in your weakest leg and emulate their habits, Okay? So I'll give you an example of myself. I'm weakest in chemistry, and how you actually see that is I'm okay in the flesh, but when I'm gone, you never hear from Dave Olson. Now, Albert has to call me up and harass me because that's just the way I am. So I've got a bunch of friends who know how to take care of their relationships when they're not physically present with people. Do some of you know how to do that? Yeah, it's FaceTime, it's texting, it's emailing, it's calling them up, it's stopping over at their house. There's lots of things you can do. So I look at those people who are weakest in or strongest in chemistry, and I look at their habits, and that's how I can figure out how to get better. Okay, and then we have a, one that's in the middle. I'm not going to talk about this too much, except I want you to understand what's two slides further. There you go. It is your secret weapon. It is the how to use your strongest leg. You can self-resource growth here. You, it can double your ministry range and fruitfulness. Now, I want you to think about two things. Did you hear that last sentence? If you actually are aware of and use your intermediate leg a lot and get it stronger, it will actually double your ministry fruitfulness. Now, if you're a Christian, that's like, oh, that could be pretty good. So here's why I call it your secret weapon. Your intermediate leg, the one that's in the middle between your strongest and weakest one, is the one that is the how to make your strongest one even more powerful, okay? So I'm strongest in strategy, but my intermediate is spirituality. So the more I'm connected to the gospel, instead of just talking about strategy, 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 which is extremely boring, boring, and boring to most people, right? I actually talk about how the gospel compels us to get out into the world and do mission. And because the, I'm talking about the gospel, it's way more interesting to people than me just talking about strategy. Are you getting that? So this, the intermediate leg, when you use it, it actually makes your strongest one even more powerful. So the quickest way to grow as a leader is to strengthen your intermediate leg. Now, I want us to think about two people for a moment 
Jesus and Paul. Okay? So we're going to evaluate each one on these three legs. So how was Jesus at spirituality? Well, okay, he might have been pretty good. How about chemistry, though? He was actually amazing. In chapter 6 in the book, it talks about three parts of chemistry that are important in Christian ministry. It's interpersonal, team, and crowd. So how was Jesus at interpersonal ministry? He was amazing. How about team chemistry? It's interesting because the very first thing he really did after his baptism and temptation was what? He called 12 disciples, but don't forget to go to Luke 8, 1 and 2 because it talked about his traveling company where it's highlighting five women who are really important in this group as well as the 12 disciples. And so there was this other group. So Jesus was good at that. How about at the crowd? Did he have any gifts at the crowd? How many of you like go out into a field and you know, somewhere around here and like 5,000 people show up? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, so he's pretty good at that. Now we want to think about the next person, the Apostle Paul. How good was Paul at strategy? Oh, I forgot to talk about strategy with Jesus. Okay, trust me, Jesus was good at strategy. <laughs> he knew where he was going. He knew how to get there. He knew the road to the cross was coming, etc. So Paul, how was Paul at strategy? That was actually his strongest, I think. How was he at spirituality? Now, I have no idea, but when I talk to groups, most of them are going, I don't know. And I'm going, he did write 15 books of the New Testament. Do you think that could be a tip that he might have been good at spirituality? And how about chemistry? Oh, boy, he had problems with chemistry sometime. <laughs> so... This is the way it works. I want you to want to be like Jesus in all three, but I want you to also recognize we're actually more like Paul ourselves. And this is a part of the importance of the body of Christ. I hope you're figuring this out already, that in the body of Christ, nobody has all the gifts, right? We just have a little bit. We contribute one-third part to the whole but together, we can do amazing things. And this is why in the New Testament, the idea of the diversity of gifts and how the different parts of the body are integral to make sure the whole ministry of Jesus flows through your church, why that's so important. So, with, uh, if I'm the Apostle Paul, this is going to be my mantra. I can get better. Right? Probably don't have to work at the strongest that much, but especially at the intermediate and the weakest. Say it with me. I can get better. Because who are we following? Jesus, not Paul. That's why we're doing that. Okay, so now the next one I want you to just, this is kind of my big idea here that I want you to understand, is you serve with your strongest leg, you lead with your style. Now I haven't talked about style, this is what I'm gonna to move to now, but I want you to remember those little phrases. You serve with what you're strongest in, but you lead with something that's called a style. So I need to start by talking about a Christian definition of leadership. And oftentimes, 
lots of Christians are kind of overawed by leadership. And if I would ask most Christians, do you think you're a leader? Do you think most people would say yes? See, I think most people would say, nah, I don't think so. I'm not a leader. Well, my goal today is to wreck your life. Because I'm going to tell you all, you are actually a leader. You just have had the wrong definition of a leader. So here's the definition. Christian leaders help others accomplish God's will for their lives by calling them to follow Jesus in all aspects of their life. Did you get that? What a Christian leader does is helps other people fulfill the will of God for their life. Now, are there any people in your network of relationships that need encouragement in fulfilling God's will for their life? If you have anybody in your web of relationships that needs encouragement in fulfilling God's will for their lives, feel free to raise your hand. Okay, obviously you're all supposed to be raising your hand at this point. Now, here's why this is such a cool definition, is it doesn't put you in the middle things of the all-powerful leader dude or female dudette, right? It actually puts the other person in the important role and your job is to help them accomplish God's will. Now, I don't have time to talk about God's will, but God's will is a huge part in the Old Testament and the New Testament. There are so many verses that talk about Jesus came to fulfill God's will and were to fulfill God's will. And so to me, that is such a key biblical understanding that if we want to develop people, what we do is we help them understand what God's will is for their life. So, the six styles is what I want to talk about now. And this is going to be really kind of simple, and this is what I want to tell you. You have, and you already identified, your, weak, your strongest, your intermediate, and weakest leg. And the sequence of that, there's only six possibilities of that. In other words, if you're strongest in spirituality, the second one is either chemistry and then strategy, or strategy and then chemistry. So there's two spirituality styles, there's two chemistry styles, and there's two um, strategy styles. If, if you look at the next slide, this is how it kind of works out in a physical demonstration sort of way. There's sacred leaders and imaginative leaders are strongest in spirituality. There are relational leaders and inspirational leaders that are strongest in chemistry, and there are Building leaders and mission leaders are strongest in strategy. So, aren't you excited to figure out which one you're going to be? Okay, here's why I think you should be excited. I have, again, done this with lots and lots of people. And this is what I've discovered. Most of the fruit in your life is going to flow out of the style of leader you are. Okay, does that make sense? And the more you know about your style of being a leader, the more you're going to able to correlate yourself with how God can work through your life. And we're going to end up talking about this, but it's really important to realize that the style you are is sort of the roadmap of how God is going to use you in a fruitful way. 
And I'm hoping that is going to come about for you in just a minute. The second thing I want you to realize is, um, oh, I forgot what that was. I'm going to move on to something else. I'll get back to that one. So, sorry about that. But here's what we're going to do. I need all of the spirituality people to come forward. Actually, let's have you all down in the front. That's going to be easier. I'm going to be tripping over things up here. Okay. Look at these people at Regeneration Church who are strongest in spirituality. Okay. So, in the communion table here in the middle, this is how it's going to work. If you're weakest in strategy, I want you to move to that side and you're, if you're weakest in chemistry, I want you to move to this side. Okay? <laughs> wow. This is really interesting. Shelly, you're a part of the big group. Isn't that exciting? That's Shelly in the red there, my wife. I'm just picking on her. Okay, so Albert... How come you're not attracting more imaginative leaders? <laughs> okay, so. That's right. <laughs> okay, so you're, this group over here are called sacred leaders, okay? And it's spirituality, chemistry, strategy is your sequence. This is imaginative leaders. And it is spirituality, strategy, chemistry, okay? Now, before I talk about these two groups, I want you all to kind of look up here because I want you to just, I want to show you something I'm going to show you. Go to the Ephesians 4.11 gifts. Some of you are familiar with these. There's five gifts that are listed in the Ephesians 4.11. And every of the six dials gets one of those, okay? Go to, to the next one. This is called your special intelligence. And so we'll see up there with the sacred leaders, they have in, intrapersonal intelligence that I'm going to talk about in a minute. But the imaginative leaders have cultural intelligence, but there's six types of intelligences we're going to talk about. And then your two deep needs. Now, there's a little bit of a good thing about your deep need, but trust me, you're not going to be overly happy that I'm going to reveal to the whole world what your two deep needs are. But it's good for us to know that. And... This is what you're going to find out. There's actually six of them, and you'll share one with the uh, style to your left, share one with the style to your right. And so I'm going to be talking about this as I describe each group, but I just needed you to see that there's these correlations with many other things. So on we go here. Sacred leaders. Get to my thing. Go to the next one. This is the big one sentence phrase for you. Sacred leaders have an amazing gift of helping people experience the depths of God himself. Okay, the rest of you out here in the audience, do you think that's good? We have some people in this church that have an amazing gift of helping people experience the depths of God himself. That's an incredible kind of thing. So I'm going to just, on the next slide, just do a bunch of little bullet points to describe this group here. And uh, sacred leaders are spiritually sensitive. They encourage others to pay attention to the voice of the Holy Spirit. 
and to grow closer to God. You are not only spiritually sensitive, but most sacred leaders I know are sensitive, period. They're sensitive to criticism. They're sensitive to too loud noise. They're sensitive to chaos. Any of you like sensitive in some of those ways? You know, it kind of goes with you. Great. Sacred leaders love beauty and artistry. So sacred leaders, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to list four things, and I want you to raise your hand if you are attracted to one or more of these. Okay? You ready? Craftsmanship, music, art, and writing. Did you see that, folks? <laughs> Here's how it works. You have this deposit in you of the spirituality of God he has placed within you. Okay? And spirituality is actually very difficult to describe orally sometimes. Do you ever struggle with getting verbal words out there? It's hard to describe. This is why in the Old Testament it says God the Father dwelt in a dark cloud. And, you know, it's just spirituality is hard to always put words around it in terms of oral things. And so that's why... Spirituality people try to find physical ways to express what they feel deeply on the inside. And that's why they use, you use craftsmanship, music, art, or um, uh, writing. And Shelly, what were the other two we talked about? Gardening and cooking. <laughs> Any of you guys like gardening and cooking? Okay. Well, I know a lot of you out there too, but just, okay. Got to keep going here. Uh, sacred leaders often have the gift of a teacher. Sacred leaders have intrapersonal intelligence. Let me tell you what that means. It means sacred leaders, and watch for these folks. Sacred leaders can see inside a person's heart, mind, and often the motivations of their heart. Now, do you think this could be a helpful gift they have in ministering to people? They actually have the ability to know more than the rest of us what's on the inside and sometimes what people are hiding. Um, sacred leaders have two deep needs. They have the need to be right. Anyone willing to confess that? Okay. <laughs> How about the need for affirmation? Okay. Now, we're going to find that another group that comes up, relational leaders, they share that need for affirmation. The difference, folks, is that relational leaders make it clear to you that they need affirmation. Sacred leaders will never tell you, but I've told you the secret. So with these folks, what do they need? They need affirmation, and it will be a tremendous encouragement and blessing to them. Okay, uh, Mary the sister of Martha, John the disciple, Isaiah are biblical examples. J.R. Tolkien, Dallas Willard, Ruth Graham Bell, Chuck Smith, Richard Foster, Oswald. Chambers, Pope John Paul II, St. Francis of Assisi, are contemporary and historic examples. Okay, what do you think? Quite a crowd you're hanging out with. Okay, now we're going to go to the imaginative leaders, this small little group over here. So I, Albert, I just, I just can't understand this. Oh, well. But this is good. That means you guys are going to have to be really, really good at being imaginative leaders in this church. So here's the one sentence description. Imaginative leaders have an amazing ability, gift of engaging their culture by communicating Jesus in a fresh and creative way that both attracts yet challenges.
their culture. Now, if you go back, and I'm going to, in fact, I'll just go to the next one. I'll, I'll show you here. So if you go down halfway, imaginative leaders often have cultural intelligence. Now, culture is something that for most people is somewhat opaque, that it's really hard to understand all the nuances of culture, especially new and emerging culture. But imaginative leaders tend to be really good at that. And right above that, it says, many imaginative leaders have the gift of a prophet. Okay, let me tell you how the prophet gift works. Part of what a prophet does is a prophet speaks against anything that destroys God's good creation. Have any of you ever felt that welling up in you? So that, that's part of the prophet gift. But here's the other part of the prophet gift. The prophet has to know how to connect to culture. Otherwise, when the prophet tells about any, the things that are destroying God's good creation, they'll never listen. Does that make sense? So that's why God has made imaginative leaders to be able to do both of these kind of things, to know how to connect with culture, but then know how to say a prophetic word against things that destroy God's good creation. So I'm going to start at the top. Imaginative leaders use their spiritual creativity to synthesize new ideas and models, then use strategy to implement these imaginative ideas. So creative, imaginative, these are words that really go with you guys. There you saw the next one. They love ingenuity and invention. Um, I talked about the next two. You'll be happy to know that with sacred leaders, you share the deep need of the need to be right. There you go. What can we say? And you also have the need to over-innovate. So I'm going to explain this to you. Over-innovate, well, innovation is good. Over-innovation is bad, especially in a church. Because some churches, every month they change course and have a new brilliant idea of who they're going to be. But actually in churches, there's a lot of people called stable people who don't want things changing every month. And so what happens is innovation is a good thing, but often imaginative leaders tend toward over-innovation. They have way too many great new ideas that we should implement right away. And forget what I told you last week, as Albert might say. Okay, I don't know if that's true or not. You'll figure that out. So anyhow, here's the imaginative leaders. Here's the sacred leaders. Give them a round of applause. <laughs> Albert's telling me I have to cook. So let's get the chemistry people up here. Okay, chemistry people, show me good. Show me what you're made out of here at Regeneration. Yeah! All right, that's right, that's right. Okay, so here's how we're going to do the division. If you're weakest at strategy, go on this side. If you're weakest at spirituality, on this side. Okay? Weakest at strategy, weakest at spirituality. See, now we got a little more of a fair... How come each of you went to the wrong side and two of them? Okay, so this group you're called relational leaders. Do you guys anything, notice anything interesting about this group? They're all females, but that's just an anomaly of the group. And this group are called the inspirational leaders. So we're going to start with relational leaders. 
So they have an amazing gift of helping people and groups experience God in a real and personal way. So this is what relational people are amazing at. We've got another female who is converted already. And what relational leaders do best is they connect with individuals and love them really well. So I have a bunch of relational leaders in my life. Is it possible to have too many friends who are relational leaders? No. Now, I tell a pastor of a church, if you're really smart, you get this group and tell them, don't do any other ministry in the church. Your only job is to love people lavishly because you do that so good. I find that a lot of relational leaders have somewhere between 50 to 100 to 500 friends. Any of you? I just, I was with a guy, so I asked him, how many friends do you have? He said, boatloads. You know, any of you are like, I got boatloads of friends. Okay, anyhow, that's often the truth. True. Um, so, and then I want to talk about this here. You're gifted by God to connect emotionally with individuals and inspire them as a group to follow Jesus and love each other. Loving is the big word of the relational leader. You create caring relationships with large numbers of people. Your gift is, uh, Ephesians 4.11 gift is pastor shepherd. He's kind of taking care of people. You have interpersonal intelligence. You just know how to connect with almost anybody really quickly. You're the fast friend makers. You're, uh, oh, I screwed this one up. Your uh, two needs are the need for affirmation and the need for attention. The need for attention means I like being in the sun. I wouldn't like being in solitary confinement. Is that probably true? You know. Being with people, that's a really good thing. And Barnabas, Esther, and Timothy are biblical examples. Ephraim Smith, Maxicado.co, Lloyd John Ogilvy, and a slew of others are contemporary examples. So that's relational leaders. How's that sound? Do you like do you think like loving people all the time would be great? Okay, good. <laughs> These are inspirational leaders. And again, both are strongest in chemistry. So show the definition. They have an amazing gift of motivating both Christians and seekers to desire a stronger connection with Jesus and to positively change society. Um, you'll see on the, the next one here, the second down, they're motivational or promotional very often. Um, these are folks that actually can be pretty good with individuals, but they really are more interested in crowds and teams because they like groups of people to get excited about something. But you just don't want them to get excited, do you? You actually want the excitement to turn out to something important that you're gonna do for the world. So that's what inspirational leaders are really good at. Um, they connect powerfully with a team or crowd and motivate them to follow Jesus through engagement in the mission of God. Third one down, they lead through their ability to influence people, especially through public speaking. Did you know that group? Public speaking is often a, a, a good thing you can do. They inspire people to rally around a vision. They often have an evangelism gift. Okay, Some of you don't think you have an evangelism gift. I tell all inspirational leaders you actually do. Just believe me and go for it. Okay? Um, you have cultural. Now, see, I screwed up this house changing this morning. Uh, you guys have social intelligence. That means you understand how group dynamics work in teams and crowds and can use that to your advantage. 
Your two deep, deep needs are the need for attention and the need for power. Peter, Apollos, and Elijah are biblical examples of inspirational leaders. George Whitfield, Danny DeLeon, Amy Semple McPherson, she started the Four Square Church, Louis Palau, Billy Graham, Jared Storm, contemporary. So, well, what do you think? Are these helpful to regeneration? Okay, oh, you can do better out there. These are chemistry people. Okay, you can see that. Remember, they both have a need for attention. Come on, folks. Okay, good. And then the rest of you who haven't come forward, I'm assuming your strategy people are confused, so the confused can stay seated. Strategy will pop up here. And here's what the division is. If you're weakest in spirituality, you go on this side. If you're weakest in chemistry, you go on this side. Weakest in chemistry, weakest in spirituality. Yes, yes. You have landed with your perfect group, that's right. Okay, so I'm going to start by talking about the building leaders, and that's you guys over here. Okay, so the big line next. Building leaders have an amazing gift of bringing people together to achieve physical progress in organizing and expanding the kingdom of God on this earth. So what building leaders like doing is achieving physical things. Do any of you here in this group like physical accomplishments? Okay, trust me, all of them love physical accomplishments. And in the, in the world of the church, what you're really good at is organizing and expanding things. Does that make sense? So oftentimes you may have lean toward one or the other of those, either organizing or expanding. But they both go together and very, very important. And so let's talk here. I just said that. You're gifted at organizing and growing entities. Some of you know how to create the right conditions and systems to produce numeric growth so more and more people come and join. Others are good at organizing, strengthening, often financial stuff, that sort of thing. Um, Paul only lists five spiritual gifts in Ephesians 4.11, and I ran out of them. And so the building leader gets to be a combination. It's a brand new world word that's going to go into Webster's Dictionary. It's called the apostolist. It means you get to be half an apostle and half an evangelist. How's that sound? Yeah. Take your pick. Roll out of bed one way or the other, and you can be that one. You have organizational intelligence. Your two deep needs are the need for power and the need to overwork. Oh, they're laughing. <laughs> Deborah, Saul, and Joseph are three biblical examples of building leaders. Mother Teresa, John Maxwell, Bill Bright, Bill Hybels, and Dawson Trotman. Now, people say, why do you say Mother Teresa? She must be a sacred leader. But actually, the fruit of her ministry is she started Little Sisters to the Poor that has hundreds and hundreds of places where they are around the world, and that's what building leaders do. More and better are the two big words. Can you say that? More and better. Okay. Now we have the mission leaders over here, and then we're going to be done. So mission leaders have an amazing gift of helping people see what God could accomplish if they left their safety zone 
and stepped out in faith on a new venture. I am a mission leader, so I love you guys. Okay, well, anyhow, they're not responding well to that one. Um, <laughs> but this is the deal with mission leaders is they have the faith to believe. They often have a gift of faith, and they have the faith to believe that we got to get the mission of God out beyond the walls of our church. And so very often mission leaders kind of like a little bit of risk. They kind of like the new thing quite a bit, as you'll see here. So they have spiritual vision to foresee and implement what is needed in the immediate future by calling people to follow a deeper gospel while multiplying disciples. Another word is multipliers. They're good at reproducing new leaders, new ministries, new churches. You have the gift of an apostle. And what apostles did is it was not a power position. It actually was to physically spread the mission of God in the world. And so that's what an apostle is. You have strategic intelligence, which is some of you, do you ever like one, run into a wall when you're walking because you're thinking about how to make the future better? You know, this happens to me all the time. <laughs> the two deep needs are the need to overwork and the need to over-innovate. And so if you're married, your spouse will talk to you about the need to overwork. They're trying to help you out there. Moses, Nehemiah, and Paul are biblical <laughs> examples of mission leaders. And John Wesley, Franklin Graham, Henrietta Mears, Rick Warren, Dorothy Sayers, Chuck Colson, Annie Armstrong, Dwight Moody are examples of mission leaders. So give yourselves a hand. So I am finished here. Albert has told me that my time is over. And uh, it's been a lot of fun to be here. This is just kind of a quick overview. Um, a couple things that I think are going to happen here. I think uh, your church already may have or else I'll send you. There are six extended reports that cost a little money on the website, but you get them all for free. And I think if your church can figure out what you are, they can send you the one. It's like a 20-page PDF report that will give you even a lot more depth in the chapter in the book. If any of you are interested, I encourage you to buy a book. I uh, just ran out and I have some more ordered, so I don't have any with me, unfortunately, but you can get it at Amazon if you do Discover Your Leadership Style or David P. Olson. And uh, here's my big prayer for you guys, is when I work with churches, one of the big things lay people want to know is how can I use my gift? But very often, the stuff that's done to help them do that is just way too complex. And this is just a really simple model. So you can go, oh, this is what I'm good at. I'm either good at spirituality, chemistry, and strategy. And then when you take your style and read your style report and learn from that, that's kind of the blueprint to help you do ministry in the name of Jesus. Because this is what the church was meant to be. The church isn't about pastors doing all the work. It's not about pastors and elected leaders doing all the work. What's the church about? It's about the people doing the ministry and mission of God in the body and outside of the walls of your church. And the more that we understand what we're good at and what God has gifted us to do, the greater the power of the church becomes because then all of you does the ministry 
and not just a few. So I thank you for inviting me, and uh, God bless you. All right, so I'm a missional leader, so you can probably guess how this is going to go as we close our time here. Um, I want to do a couple of things. I know we're a little bit over time, and we're all hungry. We want to get across the street to eat, but I want to do a couple of things to close uh, our time over here before we go over there and uh, continue to celebrate. So uh, the first thing I want to do is just list a couple of people who, if you have the opportunity to say thank you today, that would be great. It would really be an encouragement to them. Uh, to hear that. So one of those people is Grace Cooper, who is downstairs with the kids, and I know she uh, sort of in the middle of the night came up with this really cool program for them to do, and um, I'm hoping that they're having a really fun time doing that. So if you get a chance to say thank you to Grace, that would be really, uh, that'd be awesome, and I know a big encouragement to her. Um, thank you to the elders who have helped do various activities this morning and help organize all this. Thank you to Bruce Olson for running sound and uh, fixing all the problems that tend to happen with that over the course of, uh, of a morning. Um, and then a big thank you to Mark and Jen for sharing their story, and then also for uh, Mark uh, cooking, and he's put together a team of people um, across the street who are going to serve. And so again, if you have an opportunity to thank any of those folks today, that would be, uh, be great. Um, what we want to do here before we move across the street is... Uh, is really a call to action. And um, Albert stood up a couple of weeks ago and said that this is a defining moment for our church. And I've only been here for two and a half months, so I'm just going to trust him that that's true. <laughs> but what I do know is this, and, and again, this is kind of funny because of what we, this exercise that we just went through, but um, there is an inherent risk in what we're doing. We're adding a, a second morning service. And Albert said this uh, a couple times on Sunday morning. He said it again today. The goal here is not to add a second service. The goal is not to become a bigger church, but the goal really is to provide more space for people uh, to come and experience uh, the community that we have here and the, the life and the good news of Jesus that uh, is being shared by us as a group of people. We want to have more and more stories like uh, like Jen and Mark's and, and all of your stories that are here uh, today. So that, that really is sort of the ultimate goal, right? The goal isn't just to do more things or add more stuff. Now, we all have the opportunity to participate in this by serving in some way. And over the years, I've sort of picked up this phrase, it's a get to, not a have to. And you don't have to serve at a church to be a part of that church, but we get to serve as a way to put into play all the stuff that Dave just talked about, right? And ultimately as a way to bring glory to God and to share the good news of Jesus with uh, the people around us here in, in this neighborhood and through the city of Oakland. And so before you guys head across the street, what we're asking you to do is to think about uh, signing up for a team. And a couple things I want to say about this before I get real practical. There are some of you in this room who are on eight teams and have, have sort of been doing the like, I do everything and I participate in all kinds of different things. And one of the things that we hope uh, through Dave's training today is that for those of you who are on eight different teams, that you might wanna think about 
um, consolidating <laughs> down to like two or three or one, where you really get to use that gift, put it into play, and uh, invest deeply in that way. On the other hand, there are some of us in this room who are on zero teams, and as we head into this season, again, as Albert said, we're really thinking about the next three to four months as a, as a really important season as we launch this second service. This is an opportunity for you to get into the game and to play and to put those gifts um, out there sort of as a service to our church and to those people who are going to be coming and, uh, and checking us out over the next couple of, of weeks and months. And so um, what we're going to do now is, again, just an opportunity for you to uh, explore a little bit more about what that might be. A couple of things I want to say. If you sign up for a team, you'll be getting followed up with in some way, but you also are not committing your life away to this thing. If you decide, you know, after reflecting on it for a, you know, a couple of days that actually it'd be, you'd be better served on another team and you want to switch, that's totally fine. Again, one of the main things that we want you to be able to do is to serve in a way and in a spot that utilizes the things that you are gifted to do. Now, that being said, I want to just run through. Um, we have five areas where we're asking you to sign up or to think about signing up if you're not already committed to a team. And uh, I want to kind of run through what those are and what the needs are in each one. So in the back corner over there, Mark and Stefan are going to be signing up people for uh, our production team, which includes uh, things like slides and sound and producing on Sunday morning. Now, those roles are going to be both the 9 o'clock and the 1045 services, and we're asking you to commit to once a month. So once a month, you'll be here for both of those services doing one of those roles, and we will train you on those things. So you don't show up here and you're like, I have no idea how to do the slides, but I signed up. So <laughs> we will give you some instruction on that. But that's, that's the ask. If you're interested in being a part of that team, you're going to want to head, head back over there. There will be three teams up front here, uh, youth and worship, and then what I would call the hospitality team. So especially those of you who are relational leaders, I hope to see a long line of you over here signing up with me to be on our greeting team. Now, those teams, uh, all four of those teams that I just listed, are actually doing fairly well. They're, they're relatively full. Another couple of people on each team would be great because it would allow us to have some subs and, and share the burden a little bit more. But for the most part, those teams are, are relatively well off right now. Our biggest need, hands down, is in our kids' ministry. And the interesting thing about kids' ministry is that you can actually be any of these six styles, right, and contribute in a significant way to, uh, to the kids' ministry. You can be a missional leader or a relational leader or whatever and find a place to serve there. And what we're asking people to do is to think about serving twice a month in our kids' ministry. And what that will do is obviously allow our kids to have a great program. Grace has really put together some strong stuff. Um, but by having two services, you can come to the 9 o'clock and worship and uh, experience the service and then serve at 1045. And I understand that there are some challenges, particularly for families, with being at both services in the morning. But if you can pull that off, that's what we're asking you to think about doing. There are, I think, about 24, 25 spots that Grace needs to fill. And those spots could be filled by six people who are already serving, committing to a second week, or by... 12 people committing to serving twice a month. Sound good? So what I want to do now is I'm going to pray, and then uh, I'm going to dismiss us. And uh, again, we'll have people stationed here in the front. Kids is in that back corner over there, and Josie's going to be taking sign-ups. So if you want to go talk to her about that, um, that would be great. And then again, production 
over there. And then worship and youth and hospitality will be uh, signing up up here. Take a moment to sign up for one of those teams and then head across the street for lunch. And this was already mentioned, but as you head over there, remember to vote for the elders, which I guess is me. Seems kind of weird to ask you to do that. <laughs> I'm supposed to make that announcement. All right, let's pray, and then, uh, and then again, we'll kind of be dismissed to sign up and, and move, our, uh, move in the direction of across the street. God, thank you for what you're doing here at Regeneration, and it's just an honor uh, to be a part of it, um, to be invited to uh, be a part of this community and even to help lead this community is, um, is pretty amazing and pretty awesome. I pray for all of us who are here this morning uh, that you would... Um, be stirring our hearts to, uh, to a particular area of need in our church and that we would be excited about the ways that you have gifted us, grateful for the ways that you have gifted us to, to do ministry and to be a part of this together. And God, I just ask that uh, you would use each and every one of us in some way to contribute to uh, the cause of building your church and more importantly, building your kingdom here in the city of Oakland where... Uh, the good news of Jesus is desperately needed by many, many people. God, we ask now that um, we would just be able to have fun being together, to celebrate um, and to eat and just enjoy one another's uh, company as we continue to reflect on what you've been doing and what you will do uh, here in the future at Regeneration. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.